Shalom everybody, welcome to today's edition of My Salvation Testimony, How Jesus Saved Me. Today I'm here with Paddy Monaghan who's going to share with us his testimony of how he became a believer in Jesus. So hi Paddy, welcome to the program. Thank you very much, Kira. Um, Paddy, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe where you grew up? Or? Yeah, I'm from the lovely historic town of Kells, County Meath. Uh, and so I'm still, still in my bones um, and my uh, dad and mum, I was the youngest in the family and my dad fought with the Americans, would you believe, in the First World War. Um, he was 64 when I was born and he died when I was, uh, just before my leaving cert and he was 81 and I, and, uh, I was 17. Okay. And um, how did you come into a relationship with the Lord? Well, my family were a Catholic family and faith was really important and as a measure of faith growing up when I worked in Yugoslavia in the olden days, I used to go into a communist, uh, communist country, but I used to go into a church most days and it sensed the presence of God in many ways. But really, I didn't come into a personal relationship with the Lord just then, but I did back, did back in 1973, in the olden days, or as my children would say, Fado. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I drifted into university. Um, and then I was very shy. Um, I booked teeth at the time, and when I was in secondary school, the kids used to tease me. All they want for Christmas is a two-bath teeth. So it drove me in on myself, very, very shy and introvert. And uh, yet, about twelve of us from UCD went over to this conference in York, York University, and. On the margins of this conference, we attended a charismatic prayer meeting with 60 people, and that blew me away. That conference, uh, that, that meeting, because people prayed out as if Jesus was present, and that deeply impacted my life. But it impacted all 12 of us, uh, and so we came back to University College Dublin, and had just moved out to Belfield at a time, big campus, very little heart, and we started this prayer meeting there every Tuesday night. Uh, lovely, played guitar, shared scripture, but it was another what, six, six to eight weeks after that when the light really went down in my life. That's, and I woke up in my bedsit, the bedsit in Rath Mines in South Dublin at the time, and I took down my Bible to read that morning, and it wasn't just God's word, it was his love letter to me. It's like the words jumped out of the pages, I couldn't leave it down, and it blew me away. And I said, I was just overwhelmed with the incredible love of God for Paddy Monaghan. And I realised if I was the only one that ever lived, Jesus would have died for me. And that thought blew me away. And it's true for everyone looking today. You know, Jesus would have died for you. If you were the only one who ever lived. And that's an amazing thought. So much is this incredible love. Anyway, that, that just changed my life. I said, Lord, I want to live for you from this moment on. Come into my life, change my life, do whatever you need to do. And don't send me to China. As, as I said earlier, the hang up. He didn't send you to China. China. And I haven't been to China since. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? But I remember cycling in the university that morning, singing the praises of God right from the heart this time. And I met a university porter on the way and he said, Good morning, Paddy, you look so happy, you must be in love. And I said, Yeah. I wasn't bothered to explain it wasn't the one. So that was uh, my conversion moment. Uh, in my Catholic tradition, people say that's when you came into a person, living relationship with Jesus. My Protestant friends would say that's when I was born again. Same thing. 
beautiful. And um, and then, okay, the Lord took you, uh, you have a great love for Israel as well. Would you like to explain a bit about that? Well, Jesus is a Jew. I don't know if people know that, but Jesus is a Jew. Oh, there you go. Jesus is, I like to tell people uh, my best friend is Jewish and Jesus Christ, yeah. Um, well, my journey continued then. I, I prayed about becoming a healthy priest and God led me to know I can share that another time if you want, how that happened. Um, I finished my master's degree in finance and then, um, as I was saying to Kira earlier, two visions changed my life. So yes. which one do you want me to talk about? Uh, the first one with the nun. The, the one the nun first got first of all. Was, yeah. Some of the nuns have good habits. That's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I was a secretary of the Full Gospel Businessmen uh, Association at a time in Dublin and they had a big conference in Limerick. I think it was Cruises Hotel at the time, I don't think it's still there, but about 700 attenders. During the worship time, um, this Catholic nun, Sister Alphonse, I think was her name, in Port from Portadown, or the, my northern friends would say, Portadown, Sister, <laughs> Portadown. <laughs> and uh, anyway, she had a vision of a uh, map of Ireland in, during the worship time, and in the vision she saw, saw this map, so wooden logs that you put on your fire brought from the north of Ireland to a point in the centre. And then she saw oil from the south being poured on top of those logs. And then she looked and saw again fire coming down from the clouds, setting that whole heap ablaze, and that fire sweeping the length and breadth of Ireland until the whole of Ireland was aflame. And then she saw that fire sweeping England, Scotland, Wales, and continental Europe. And she paused for a long time, maybe five seconds. Uh, and shared the interpretation and that was confirmed by the leadership of the conference she said the logs represented evangelical Protestants steeped in the scriptures the word of God from Sunday school up but without the baptism of the Holy Spirit can become hard and harsh uh, and the oil represented the born again baptized in the Holy Spirit Roman Catholics like myself full of a zealousness now for God but lacking a foundation in the scriptures and as God will bring the two together and not a false ecumenism, but as God bring the two together, so the Holy Spirit revival would sweep Ireland, and Ireland would again be a light to the nations. And that was a very key, key word for Ireland back in 1975. But it changed my life because I was sitting there at that conference and said, Lord, I don't want to be involved in something that's logs only, that's evangelical powers only, and I don't want to be involved in something that's oil only, but would you use me? To bring the logs and the oil together and that's been part of my key calling uh, for many many years that logs and oil vision that you held through the tough times when there's no sign of it but i believe it's god's uh, key vision for this nation we have a destiny to bring revivals to the nations and the enemy does not like it does not want it but i believe it's god's purpose and so i'm determined with all i can to bring it about Amen. and to do play my part Amen. and it's coming revival is coming to Ireland the Amen. devil will not succeed and Ireland will glow for the glo um, uh, with the glory of God and Amen. Tell, tell, be, Lord. Amen. <laughs> tell us about the another vision that you had in relation to Israel yeah it's beautiful as well then um, a year later I was in America at a Pentecostal camp don't worry about the words if you're not familiar with them but I was praying for a move of the Holy Spirit in Ireland then. It was a year later after the first vision and I had, a, I had a vision myself this time of 
Ireland and Israel, which is about 3,000 miles away from uh, Ireland. And in the vision, it's like the Lord picked up Ireland and brought it 3,000 miles over to Israel, pushed in Connemara, Galway, Mayo, made it fit exactly on Israel. And I said, Lord, please show me what the understanding of that is. And I sense the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, he that blesses Israel, I will bless. And he that curses Israel, I will curse. And as I would work to bless Israel and God's purposes concerning her, then God would bless me, my nation, and my ministry. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. And the fascinating thing is, it's connected with revival in Ireland. They're not separate visions. They're connected together. If I want to see revival in Ireland, it's key that we understand God's purposes for Israel. And a lot of Christian leaders don't get that at all. They get, oh, we're mad keen to see revival in Ireland. But they dismiss Israel. And they can't have, it's, it's, God is, uh, is on the throne. He's preparing his bride for his return. These two visions are key for my nation, I believe. Amen. And I totally concur with this. Uh, Yeshua Square's mission point is actually Israel, and um, uh, the Jewish people are starting to become believers, but also, like you say, the Christians need to realize their Jewish roots. Yeah, and, and the amazing thing is, in the last 50 years, there's been a move of the Holy Spirit among the Jewish people. It's amazing, in, and such that, nearly every town in Israel today there's a Messianic Jewish congregation. I mean, that's amazing. In Jerusalem, 20 congregations. In Tel Aviv, 20. In Haifa, 7 congregations. 7 rehab centers for drug addicts all around Israel, all run by Messianic Jews. Well, amazing. In a short period of time, the, the Messianic Jewish church is emerging, folks. And it's exciting. It's small, but it's vibrant. And it's a work of the Holy Spirit. And it's really important that we connect in and See, Google it, you need to know. There are lots of different good ministries out there that are doing it, and support them. It's wonderful. Amen. Uh, yeah, we're very excited about the, the move of the Holy Spirit on the Jews, and yeah, I, I've been a few times, and you've been uh, four times more than me. You're very blessed to have gone to Israel that amount of time. Yeah, I've been to Israel 22 times. Now, I have to admit, seven of them on holidays with my wife, to Lash. To enjoy the sun and the desert there. Yeah, but still, it's still. You're, you're in God, you know. God is everywhere, but there is a special anointing uh, in Israel. Um, so you had an amazing spirit experience in York, in England, at a prayer meeting. Can you just go back to that and explain kind of what happened? Because people mightn't understand, you know, when we become believers in Jesus, born again, whatever you want to call it, uh, people who are not believers might be listening to this going, you know, uh, well, what really happened to you? How do you mean you experienced Jesus? Yeah, thank you. That's a great question. I think some I could explain to you about my wife. She's good looking. She's one year younger than me. She's brown eyes. Sometimes I get the colour of the eyes wrong and I get in trouble. Um, but, but she's good looking. And um, you, could, you could know about her. But you wouldn't know her until you meet face to face. Like I didn't know Kira before this morning. And we met, we had coffee first, and we had the connection. And it's a, it's a friendship. And it's very key to encounter Jesus personally. That's key. We, many of us know about him. But he wants to be known. But you know something? He's a gentleman. He doesn't push his way in on us. That's one of the beautiful things I've learned. I mean, some Christians violate our free will. And too often, the Catholic Church in my country has violated the free will of people. Rather than allowing them choose to respond, the Lord never violates your free will. 
he waits and he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens up, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. That's the book of Revelation says. He's waiting to, so that you hear his knock. But he won't barge into your space. He'll wait until you invite him in. And you know, people are desperate to know there's a God who cares, especially in these COVID times. They need to know there's a God who cares, who's intimate, he's not distant. And like last last week, last week I met two uh, pensioners on my walks around my area where I live in South Dublin. And with both of them, didn't know them, got chatting, and I just said to them, uh, what can I remember for you personally in prayer? And both of them, totally separate, separate days, both of them were amazed we asked that question. And they had to think, and they answered me. And then I said, do you mind if I voice a short prayer for that right now? And they said, no, that would be lovely. And I blessed myself, you know, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. And then prayed a blessing on them, I prayed for the need they just said. And you know, both of them experienced something of the presence of the Lord. Did they come the whole way through the faith? Mm, I don't think so. But that's not irrelevant. I was a blessing. And you know, God calls each one of us to come before and be blessed by him and then be a blessing to others, whosoever we meet. Amen, and that's evangelism as well, and that's what we're all called to do is to evangelize. And yeah. it is great, praying on the spot is really important. Very few people will ever refuse prayer. I think in my lifetime I've only had one person that's right. refuse prayer. Yeah, me too. Uh, Not, well, more than one, but yeah, yeah. that's fine. Yeah, yeah. But they, if, when people say no to prayer, it's really important that you respect it and not push yeah. in. Yeah. It's their decision. Yeah. And they're, we're, we're made in God's image and likeness. And how dare we violate others' free will? God doesn't violate mine. And sometimes I'm really annoyed with some Christians. Like sometimes I'd be in my office and a Christian friend would come in and see I'd start at a sniffle and he'd start praying for me. And I get really furious. I said, you have the decency to ask me, do I want prayer? That's because he violates, but he just doesn't think. But God never violates my free will. And how dare I violate yours or anyone else's? Tell me, Paddy, what are the benefits of being a Christian? Jimmy <laughs> 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 <Jenny> Mac. <laughs> you didn't know he was going to get all these questions. I know. <laughs> surprises. Like, surprises like this question that comes. <laughs> what are the benefits of being a Christian? Jimmy Macaroni. It's a big one. <laughs> uh, well, where do I start? Um, I think it can, I always start with the love of God. I mean, isn't it amazing to know you're loved? It really is. You know, at the end of the day, you know, it's all about love. Father saw my need, sent his son, and so that I can have a relationship with him. Isn't that amazing? But the king of the universe, the one who's made this incredible, beautiful, absolutely incredibly beautiful universe, knows about me and knows about each one of us here. Hallelujah. Isn't that beautiful? And he cares for you. But he doesn't violate your free will either. But he's given a means that you can respond to him. What are the benefits of being a Christian? You for so many. What are the benefits today? Well, I was blessed by getting here on time. <laughs> I was blessed in my Bible study this morning before I came. And my son is an Anglican minister in Bristol. And he's having a bit toughish time just at the moment. And I sensed in my Bible study, which was I was reading two kings, and the verses were for him. So I 
I said my WhatsApp this morning, and it's just wonderful being a Christian that you can bless other people in your family, in your neighbourhood, wherever. And for me, life is exciting. Every day is different. I mean, I, it's a long time since I was asked the benefits of being a Christian. So, uh, <laughs> and that's wonderful. But uh, I, life is an adventure when you become a Christian. Every day is different, and there's the opportunity to share His love, to, to the opportunity to be blessed and be a blessing. And so life is meaning. And you know, we all need meaning in life. It's not, a, you know, it's horrible to go through life and think it's meaningless, as so many do. And it's a recipe for despair, sorry. Um, but for me, life is full of meaning. And how do you become a believer? If there's an, an atheist or an agnostic watching this, which there very much could be, or even a Jewish person who doesn't believe that Jesus is the Messiah, how, how do you explain, you know, Jesus yeah. to become born again, you know, to become a believer in Jesus? How do you explain it to somebody who knows nothing, who all thinks right. it's all fairy tales? Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I would say, ask them first of all, what can I remember in prayer for them? Have they any need for the family, for... And then I'd ask them, may I voice a prayer? And they'd probably say, but I've no faith. And I'd say, that's okay. It's okay you don't have faith, but I have. Do you mind if I voice a short prayer? And engage in that and voice. And I might just do nothing more than that. But bless, be a blessing. The first challenge always is to be a blessing. If somebody wants to then go the next step and say, you know, can you tell me more? Then I would certainly share the good news with them. And that is just... God loves us intimately. But we've all blown it. We're all sinners. We've all done it like Frank Sinatra, done our own thing. I did it my way. <laughs> but, but Jesus died on the cross for my sins. He set me free so I can have a, a relationship with him and have life that's meaningful. And see, life is full of purpose. But you know, knowing that's not enough, we need to then make the next step, which is to accept him into our lives. Accept the invitation, and it's a free, it's a free choice, as I said earlier. And the next step is, is to do it. And then we need the Holy Spirit, but then we need also Christian community. So there are the six elements of the gospel. And wonderful if you want to make those steps today. Maybe you can get in touch with Kira afterwards, or or take down the Bible and start reading on the book of the New Testament. But ask, maybe you could ask the Lord. If you're skeptical that he exists, challenge him. And ask him, Lord, please, if you're real, show me. I think he loves to see honesty above anything. And some people say to me they don't believe. One of my first things I say to them, I commend them for their honesty. I thought, wonderful. I said, God loves honest people. Amen. Amen. And it's all about the heart. God reads your heart in a nanosecond. So if you don't believe in him, do what Paddy said and say, prove it to me. And he will. A if it's from the second. heart. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I can't grasp that. <laughs> Paddy, that was wonderful. Thank you for your testimony. Um, all glory to God. What we do at this point of the interview is we just finish off by letting you pray. Uh, whatever the Holy Spirit wants you to pray. Um, anybody could be listening now or in the future um, and um, just pray what's ever on your heart for somebody or for the people out there however the, the Lord leads so you can look directly in the camera there and yeah, pray uh, for the people whoever, however the Holy Spirit leads you Lord I just thank you for this uh, beautiful setting where 
folks, just before I pray, let you know we're beside the zoo in the tea rooms. If you haven't visited it, go do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. Um, yeah. And Lord, just thank you for this moment right now. Thank you for uh, having the chance to connect with Kira this morning. I just pray a blessing on everyone looking at this. Amen, Lord. Touch their lives. Would you reveal your incredible, amazing love for each one person? Lord, touch their lives. Reveal yourself afresh to them, Lord. Bless their families. Bless their person, Lord. And yeah, touch their lives. And be with us, Lord, this time. In Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Paddy. That was a really nice. So that was Paddy Monaghan uh, sharing his testimony of how he became a believer. We're going to say shalom from Dublin and we're going to say bye for now until the next time. God bless you.